And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. As your business gets started, your startup grows, you get funded, you do a lot of different things, you're going to find yourself in the need to have, potentially have a board of directors, advisory boards, different people that are involved with your business. And it's a common question to wonder, how do I set that up? Who do I set it up with? And should I even do it at all? That is what we're going to talk about during today's episode of Startup Also, Now, before we get started, wanted to let you know that today's episode of the show is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordable, affordably. Look, people, it doesn't have to be hard to hire programmers. We can help you get that done. With me today, I have Jeb Banner. Jeb is the CEO of Boardable. He's out of Indianapolis, my second hometown. If you want to learn more about what they do, go to the link in the show notes for Boardable.com, but I'll give you a quick hint. Boardable is board management software. It's purpose-built to help board of directors centralize all their communications and their activities. We're going to talk all about that and more with Jeb, but first off, welcome to the show. Hey, Matt. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm glad that uh, you've got Indy as a second home. <laughs> Yeah, I do. And it's it's been an interesting story. I, your office is not too far away from, from where the million dollar bedroom is, which is the title of my second book. So, uh, you know, Jeb, I like to say that no one tells their own story better than the, the CEO and the founder. So why don't you give us a, a little bit of background and backstory about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Boardable really came out of my previous business, which is a creative agency that was working primarily with nonprofits. And one of them, United Way of our uh, here in central Indiana, came to us and said, hey, can you build us a board portal? And we recognized uh, having I started a couple of nonprofits myself here in Indy at the time that a lot of nonprofits have the same problem and a lot of businesses have that same problem. And so instead of building a, a tool for them, we decided to build a SaaS product that could serve um, boards all over the world. And now we've got, um, you know, about 1700 customers in 25 countries and uh, it's been a great ride. And, uh, you know, this has just been an entrepreneurial journey for me going back to about 20 years ago, uh, starting a number of businesses in the auction space, actually, before getting into the web space, and then more recently into the product space. Are you able to speak as quickly as an auctioneer? No, I'm not. I did not. Yeah, I, did not, I, did, I did not get that that training. Uh, we we would bring in auctioneers, and it is insane the way they talk. Uh, it's 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 really it's uh, mesmerizing. I think it's the idea is you get kind of like a, almost you know it's almost like this catatonic state where you're just like yes I'll bid I'll bid I'll bid. But it's great. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's always uh, I I we may have, I, that could have been ended up if you had that could have ended up being what we tested for the remainder of the show because that fascinates <laughs> me. Now you know uh, you know you've been the founder and the owner of a lot of different companies in various industries and. 
you know, what, what do you think, what do you think first inspires people to build and lead their companies? And then, and then with that seek others to help them in the process. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh there's such an exciting um, feeling when you've identified a problem that you can solve that people are going to pay money for. I mean, it's just basic one-on-one stuff, but the thing that I really tap into is the energy around that. Uh, and, uh, and that, that energy and momentum really snowballs quickly into all those next steps. And of course you do half of them wrong and you make, you make some bad hires and maybe you don't set up your partnership agreements the right way, whatever it is. But, um, you know, that is really that, that, that early aha moment of, Hey, we can sell something. We, we have built something or we have a service we can sell. And, uh, I think that, you know, businesses that, that entrepreneurs that get that experience and lean into it, they then are on this steep leaning, learning curve where they're just having to soak up so much, you know, mentorship and, and wisdom through books like your books and, and uh, you know, other resources out there to just learn as fast as they can. To, I think there's a, a really a close alignment between the learning curve of the entrepreneur and, and the growth of that business. And they've got to sync up. You got to grow as fast as your business is growing, and that's that's tough to do. So when you the the term board in general, you know, and, and I, I'm a little bit older. I'll be turned 46 in June of of 2021, and I'm kind of in the middle of the road of my my professional years per se. And you know, I, I'm familiar. I was always familiar with the term board of directors, and as uh, over the last 10 years, you've seen advisory boards become a lot more in vogue. And for those of you that aren't familiar, an advisory board still brings in the advisory elements of a board of directors mm-hmm. without the the control or the votes or, or some of that. Uh, but when it comes to building and managing effective, and, and we said startup boards, we're not necessarily mm-hmm. saying board of directors could be advisory boards yeah. in general. Like, yeah. I mean, we're, like, you know, I've, I've seen people do this really effectively and I've seen people do it terribly. I mean, where, where's when it comes to building and managing this stuff, like where's the best place to start? Well, I think that um, it's a really good distinction between advisory and governing. Um, so an advisory board does not have that um, governing control. Essentially, the advisory board can't fire you. Uh, the governing board can fire you. So that's a big, a big step to take. I'm a believer that every organization, for-profit, nonprofit, needs a board. It might just be an advisory board. But that quarterly cadence of having to have that accountability of reporting out on the business to that board and saying, hey, you know, this is what we did, getting questions, getting challenged on things. I really was missing that in my previous businesses. I put an advisory board together with my agency towards the end of it, uh, and uh, I should have done it almost from the start. So it's, it's got a lot of value to it. The governing board uh, is a whole nother level. It's a real forcing function of saying, hey, you know, you really got, you're really you're being held accountable uh, around uh, your metrics and, and what your performance in a way that uh, the advisory board just isn't going to be able to hold you accountable. Um, and they're also more strategic in, in opening doors for you because they usually have money in the, in the, in the business as well. Uh, and I really enjoy having a governing board. Uh, we've had an advisory board as well at Boardable too in the past. Um, so I think that if you don't have to have a governing board because you control all the stock or it's a small group of shareholders, um, 
I get that. I think that makes sense because you don't necessarily want to give up that control. Um, but I think um, if you do have a governing board, then building that board with a lot of intentionality to make sure you've got the right people sitting around the table that have core alignment with the mission of the business is, is absolutely critical. If you don't have that alignment, I've heard horror stories from a lot of my friends running businesses of where that, that there's, they feel like they're at war with their board. And that's really traumatic. Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of some of the things that I'm referencing. And for, for those of you that have been longtime listeners, you've probably heard me talk about the importance of having people that have different skills and different, you know, I, I've talked to advise people on starting boards or having different advisors and having people that, you know, sometimes you get, it almost can feel like you're getting forced into certain seats. So you might not have anything to say about it. You talk about that governing board that, that gets created when a private equity put, company puts a lot of money in mm -hmm. and they want X number of seats because they want, a, they want a share of votes and things that could occur and, and also want to be able to potentially fire you. If mm -hmm. that comes up and that's a real thing. Now, the threat or the possibility that you could get fired from your own company it, I, should and could be motivating yeah. to do things. Um, now, I'll tell you, I, at full scale, we have a couple hundred employees worldwide and I own the business with my often co-host here on the show, Matt Watson. We don't have a board. Um, and it's something we've talked about, but more from an advisory perspective, because it, you know, we own the company 50, 50, we're the only shareholders. And we, we probably always will be in, in yeah. many ways. And, uh, but, but at the same time, like you said, and we, we've recently talked about kind of almost having like a quarterly board meeting, regardless of not having a board just to set certain things, set certain standards and certain reporting stuff. Um, you know, and we realized we may have made a mistake in the regard of not doing that all along. So, that, so the next thing I, I'm curious about is, is where do people, what are the, what are the most common mistakes made when people go to start a board of any kind? And maybe that mistake is not even starting one at all. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, the, the fundamental mistake is not doing it. Um, uh, that is, that is what I see primarily happen because it's extra work. Uh, you're, you're busy running your business. You're thinking about other things. Um, and, uh, you think you've got it covered. I mean, that's what was my mindset. You know, like, I, oh, we, we know what to do. We got this covered. Um, and then it's a lot, a lot of energy to go out there and find the right people, which is the second mistake people make. You referenced it earlier. You want to make sure that you've got the right diversity of perspective and, and talent sitting around the table. So that it really particularly fills any gaps you have in your leadership team. So if you don't have a really strong marketer in your leadership team, you should have a strong marketer on your advisory board. Um, maybe I don't, I, I almost always recommend an attorney on your advisory board, you know, someone who can help navigate that in exchange, you're compensating them. It may be just, you know, a certain amount of money per quarter. It may be a, a uh, you know, a fractional amount of stock, you know, that vests over a period of time, but they've got enough skin in the game to, to uh, show up and care about your business and like read the, read the documents you send over, jump on a phone call, uh, work through an issue you're having. Um, and then that, that quarterly cadence, uh, I think it's so important because I find in our business, everything kind of backs up to that. Like, okay, we've got to get ready for this board meeting. Okay, what are the things we need to do there? I often, I, I look at it as like peeling an onion of like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask and answer the first layer of questions. 
that I know the board is going to want to know about. Then I'm going to ask and answer the second layer that I assume. And then by the time we get to the third or fourth, you're like, oh my gosh, we really haven't answered this really important question about the business because we hadn't taken the time to stop and push ourselves to do that. So that's that forcing function of that quarterly board meeting, uh, which is so important. So I think mistakes are not doing it, not getting the right people around it, and not having it be a really meaningful uh, meeting and conversation that pushes the whole organization forward. I think one of the mistakes people make is trying to set up boards where they don't compensate or have people having some kind of vested interest in, yeah. in the business. And then those are the same people that invariably end up saying, well, I didn't, no one did anything or I didn't get anything. I'm like, why would they, you know? And it's, uh, I think that, and I see this happen a lot. I see this happen a lot, you know, or they ask, or, or it's just, you talk about that for actual ownership, like, your startup isn't worth shit. And then you're like, yeah, but I offered him 0.0001%. I'm like, I wouldn't have cared either. And if you want to get the best people, I just think that overall people in general care when they have a vested interest in the success of any enterprise. And that just makes sense. It's just human nature. And if you want to get the best people, the best people are usually busy and they usually have, there's a high value on their time. And I agree with the diversity thing. I hadn't really thought about the, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm uh, the son of a son of a lawyer, uh, but I hadn't really thought about the importance of just having a legal, you know, a legal mind on there. I'm usually thinking sales, marketing, operations, and, you know, there's some other critical components. What, what are some of the other, uh, we could just spit, spit a few ideas out here. Like I said, I think that, I think sales, always try to find someone that people that are going to help you drive sales. I think marketing and I think mm-hmm. operations is a big one. Um, culture, perhaps, uh, yeah. maybe human resources. Yeah. An HR person, uh, it, depending on your founding team, uh, techno- technology person, like someone who's really a, a deep technologist, uh, we found that uh, valuable. Um, I think that, uh, yeah, marketing ops, you, you really touched on a lot of them. Legal is a big one. Um, and then, then maybe a partnerships person, depending upon your, um, you know, your business. Once you get into the specific business, I think you're going to get into the specific um, talent that you need because you may need someone that's got expertise in a certain market, for instance. Um, you may need somebody who has a relationship with Salesforce, for instance, to help you navigate that space because that's an important vendor for you or you know partner. Um, so. I would just look at where you have gaps and look at where you're looking to go with the business. And, you know, the, the equity piece is important, but I also want to emphasize, generally speaking, these are people that care about you as a person. Uh, they care about your success. Uh, they want you to succeed and they, they feel like they're doing something which is going to help. They, they care about um, entrepreneurs. Um, so it's a, it's a tricky mix to get, but they're out there for sure. So think about that pool of people that are in that sort of um, peer mentor friend pool and kind of look from that. And then also ask for introductions if you're not getting to that right group. It does take time, but you can also snowball it, you know, keep adding people over time. I recommend two year terms with advisory boards and I recommend enough skin in the game to where it feels like they're they're They can show up and care. It's not, you're not a nonprofit. So, you know, make it worth their while. What kind of expectation of input or effort is fair? A quarterly board, a quarterly advisory board meeting in the, you know, I always serve lunch, which, you know, uh, 
helped. Um, we stopped doing advisory board meetings during during COVID, uh, and our business has changed a lot since then. So we kind of did we did an advisory board very actively early on, and then kind of phased it out as we grew and and built a bigger team and a bigger uh, internal you know governing board. But uh, a two hour meeting every quarter, uh, with the understanding that there may be ad hoc conversations needed in between based on specific needs the business might have. I think that's a really good cadence. It's not a big commitment. And frankly, people enjoy it. You know, they get to get together and look at a business and be critical about it. And it's it's fun for them. And it's like uh, being a grandparent. They don't have to take the kid home at night. You know, they can they can just kind of come in and give feedback. That's a good comparison. You know, another one you made the comparing the onion comparison, because uh, I, I carry that onion around with me every day um, because as I stop at the different uh, departments that we have, um, I often refer to peeling back the onion. And I've also compared startups to onions a lot because the further you get into them, the more you cry on many days. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a common thing. I. Uh, you know, the, the onion peeling uh, comparison has become so common at full scale that uh, sometimes our managers say, I don't want you peeling back my onion, man. Get away from here. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. and that's either because they don't want me poking around or they're afraid that I'll start crying. But um, and, you know, sometimes that's that's a, a, a necessary piece and growing your business in general is not being afraid to cry or that you're going to cry or whatever. Cause I think sometimes as people, it's, it's, it's easy to want to just kind of turn away. You're like, yeah. I don't know if I want to deal with that right now. So you go over to do something that you like doing that you want do want to do, or just, I don't know, there's 10 million reasons not to do it. Okay. So when it comes to, to board management and doing things successfully, I uh, I did one of the uh, probably least clever but most obvious things that um, I may have done during the show so far, which is just go to the general features and benefits of Boardable.com. Mm -hmm. Which I, I you know I'm sitting here thinking I'm like okay so what do we want to get what 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 does it take to ha successfully have a board I'm I'm th sitting here thinking Jeb's solved these problems and so is Boardable. So I went to your features page and I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, well, this makes a hell of a lot of sense. Well, so first off, if you're going to have a successful board in meetings and be productive, I see you guys have an agenda builder. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, it seems fairly obvious, but if you're going to get people together and you're going to have a meeting with people that are busy and it's a very short, finite amount of time, have a good idea about what you're going to talk about, right? Yeah, that's that's right. We think about like uh, the, the cadence of the board is being like a mountain with a summit. The summit is the meeting and everything leading up to it's like the documents being assembled, the agenda being built, you know, the attend, the uh, RSVPs being collected, then the meeting happens. And that's really the performance, right? That's the presentation of everything. That's where everything's being consumed and discussed. And then the other side of it's more the follow-up. It's the minutes, it's the tasks, it's the scheduling of the next meeting. And then you've got these sort of like valleys that go between these, meetings. That's generally what a board cadence looks like, nonprofit or for-profit. So we're really building for that whole mountain with the meeting at the summit being the, the moment where it all comes together. Um, so there's a lot of pieces to that puzzle. Um, and uh, and it's pretty, it's pretty uh, standard depending upon whether you're for-profit or nonprofit. It's surprisingly similar, all the different pieces and the different motions at play. You know, a lot of people say these words to me, well, I've never done that before. 
Okay, most of us haven't. Google it. I bet if you if you if in Boardable, there's an agenda builder, and if and if if you're not using Boardable, there are, this is not these are not things that people have not done before, listeners. You know, yeah, like there's right. a lot of there's templates and input yeah. and all kinds of stuff out there, and yeah. um, you know, it, we uh, Matt Watson and I are doing a 52 part series about how to start a tech company, which, by the way, Jeb, we're currently three weeks behind on, which felt so far very par for the course. Mm -hmm. uh, our 52 part series that was going to slot so equally into 2021 were three weeks behind on it, but that happens. Um, but uh, now, one of the things that we've talked about recently was, you know, getting help from people. And I'm this big advocate that if you want help from people, you have to make it easy for people to help you. And I think that's another mistake that people make with their boards is they form them and then they don't ever ask for help yeah. and, or they make it difficult for people to help you. Don't expect that your board or your advisors are going to come chase you down and say, when's the meeting? What do you need help with? Yeah. How can I be of service? That's not going to be the way it goes. Now, one of the things I see in here is I see you have a meeting center. Now, as the founder of gigabook.com, and that's a product that Fullscale owns, I know, like, I'm this huge advocate. I'm like, don't, I don't want to have 12 emails about when you're available, when I'm available, blah, 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 blah. Like, there are, whether it's gigabook or the, 200 other things we compete with make it easy for people to schedule a meeting with yeah. you or to come to your meeting or any of it at a minimum you can do a calendar invite like who does yeah. i mean if and by the way if you're talking to someone that doesn't have an online calendar at this point eh, it's a yeah, little right. sketchy right so yeah, i mean i almost think is. it's more i think it, yeah yeah i mean for real like everyone has a calendar somewhere somehow so in your meeting center you talk about automating the scheduling Mm -hmm. and stuff like that why 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 is that that it sounds so simple jeb but it's not like why it's, why it's is that so important super, super critical that 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 scheduling piece of a meeting is can be particularly with with boards um for-profit boards everybody is generally very busy Nonprofit boards it's more the committees that have scheduling problems in our experience but you know it's similar to the doodle functionality um you know probably what you've built as well just putting out time for people to respond to as a survey, then you can see where the responses are and then you choose the one that works best for the majority of the folks and then it turns it into a scheduled meeting. So it's a nice workflow right there in the product. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, by the way, it's funny because people think that scheduling in general is not complex and it isn't like when it's one person and one spot on a calendar. It, the complexity occurs when you have to have multiple people on the same spot or all of the myriad things that can occur after or an association with the scheduling. So you like in Gigabook, you talk about collecting a payment, sending reminders, sending notifications, sending updates. How about rescheduling? What if it's part of a four part series and you need to like you can't make it to the second one? and you want to make up, can you go to any of the next four that occur? Or does it only have to be part two of four? And like, and, and so here's the thing is back to that damn onion. Like yeah, yeah, it gets can... really layered really quickly. Yeah. And that communication is really key. I think just in business in general. And, um, you know, some of the things too, and I, I'm not trying to get off track here, but you know, so we, we market full scale. We have an event we do here in town called Sweet and Greet. We have a, 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 a suite at the T-Mobile Center, which is kind of like Conseco Fieldhouse, Bankers Fieldhouse, whatever they call mm -hmm. it now in Indy. 
And, you know, like I talk to the people that have other suites and they're like, I have a full-time person that does nothing but manage this. I'm like, you're crazy. Like go spend $15 in Gigabook and you can do the same thing. Like yeah, there's technology right. out there that makes these things simple and easy. And speaking of technology, uh, if you are, need help building a software team, that's what we do at fullscale.io. We have about 200 different developers and we have taken the mystery out of finding offshore talent. We have over 200 people in our office in Cebu City, Philippines, and that number grows by about 20 a month. Uh, we know how to help you find top talent at affordable prices. So give us a try. Come on by fullscale.io. Now back to what we we're talking about. All right. You it looks like you have a new feature in here, which is the spotlight. And these are, as you define, some essential tools needed to meet virtually and in person. Man, this became a crucial thing for all mm -hmm. of us. You mentioned the board meeting was typically like, hey, let's get together. We're going to have lunch. And, you know, you yeah. sit around and you talk and you shoot the shit. And then next thing you know, we can't do that. So what, what are you guys doing with with this piece in Boardable? Yeah, this is this has been a big part of our innovation this past year. Um, and we recognize that we had the opportunity to build something which did not exist, which is always exciting, which was a single screen experience where you had that agenda that you built pulled in, the documents there, the minutes functionality with attendance and everything else there, um, the ability to, to present a document versus screen share a document, which sounds like a small thing, but it's a big thing. Be able to have a document that you're presenting that someone can actually click on, interact with, mm -hmm. uh, right there in the meeting, to have all of your chat comments captured there, and have everything archived back into Boardable. So instead of having this disjointed Zoom experience out here, and Zoom's fine, but you have then everything in one place. Um, and uh, that's that's been a big push that we've done. We launched that about a month and a half ago. Yeah, and that's smart. And that was the next thing I was going to ask is, you know, one of the things that there's there's levels of compliance, you know, like they're mm -hmm. in your business, especially if you have partners, you have operating agreements and articles of incorporation or, or different things like, you know, for example, so my business partner, he doesn't work at full scale, but I'm the CEO. And I've got I've got limitations and boundaries for which I can do certain things that don't require you know, like, Hey, we're going to do this. And these are usually, these are usually uh, those businesses around, Oh, what you can spend, how you spend it, uh, engaging mm -hmm. in contracts, borrowing money, selling equity, just different things like that. Now, um, most, most people end up starting a business and they go to one of these online things and they spend $400 and they get a little kit and they go, you know, that place signs them up as a, as a business uh, in say the state of Kansas, like where I live and it, uh, and it gives them an EIN and then they don't fill out the rest of the kit. Mm -hmm. You know, they have like, they have this like notebook mm -hmm. that they got from, you know, wherever. And there's a bunch of places that help do that. And then they don't really stay compliant with anything after that. I think it's pretty cool that you guys are doing that. Now with that, you know, I see you've got things like document centers and e-signatures. Uh, how important is it to document these things and to be compliant? Because I've learned over the years that not doing it is not a good practice. Yeah, man, I've been burned for sure by that stuff. You know, um, a handshake agreement is is not going to fly. Uh yeah. Even even with with good intentions, your memories get mixed up and confused, and uh, you got to go that extra mile. I'm a big believer in spending the money on legal 
up front yeah. uh, and getting that done. Anytime you're in a in a partnership with any kind of complexity to it at all, um, if you're doing a hobby or something, then I mean, whatever. But um, if it's a real business, spend the money. Uh, if you can't spend the money, then you're probably not ready to to take it to the next level. Get it, get it to where the business can afford enough to spend the money to get it right. But I understand why a lot of people don't do it because it doesn't impact their bottom line. It's a negative spend, you know, and, and uh, you know, that's, and it's that's not fun and sexy. It's not like, I mean, you don't show up to where I'm like, I didn't wake up today going, man, I am charging into this week. And, and just because I want to get started with what I want to do the most, I'm going to do some paperwork yeah, to do some documentation and get some signatures from people. No, that's never words that have come out of my mouth now. But what we're talking about here is sometimes you say, Okay, look, I, th I think the biggest mistake that people make is they assume that it'll always be a sunny day. Mm -hmm. And a lot of agreements and things are brought in and they say, you're going to do this, this, this and this, and then you get this. What happens if you don't, you know, and that's what what happened. And, and, and that's and that's the thing that you're trying to protect and like a good well, contract has it has sunny and rainy day provisions in it. And you hope yeah. you don't ever visit the rainy days, but it's so much easier if they occur to reference, okay, this is my course of action when and where this happens. And that's where I think people mess up. Yeah. I think a buy sell agreement is really important, especially in a partnership like yours. You know, I've, I have a similar one in another business um, so that you know what happens. Let's say one of you passes away. How do you buy yep. out the, uh, the other one's spouse, you know, for instance, we, and we have that, we have that, yeah. that's, that's a marital joinder agreement. And yeah. in that particular instance, that defines exactly what the price will be yep. and the order of succession in which it can be purchased back, meaning company partner and then, you know, other potentially. And and, then, and having yeah. that stuff defined up front, uh, and we've even talked about this on the show. Actually, my business partner went through a divorce during the mm -hmm. course of our marriage. And that was something we were happy that we had in place because if it were to occur, it was already defined and it didn't get the, the reason this stuff's important is you don't want it to occur. And it, but if it does, it can be, it can be like a huge time suck. It can be an energy suck, all of that. We're at the beginning of the show. We're talking about getting and forming the right kind of energy. That isn't, that isn't, that isn't it. We're wanting to avoid having to, to harness and, and ball yeah. that up. So you, you know, even talking about it, it feels, it feels so negative to talk about it when, right. you, you know, right. it's like, you're never going to get along better than when you're starting a business. That's the way to think about it. Best time to have that conversation. Um, you know, I, I would say particularly if you're looking to bring on investment, if you're looking to bring on investment, you really got to make these investments in legal. Um, but even if you're not like with you, a 50, 50 partnership, it's really important to understand what the rights of each partner are, what happens in different scenarios and work those things through now while everybody's happy. I've been, I, w I went through a, um, a business split with an early company I, I started with another guy where we didn't have that stuff ironed out. And it was a mess, it was a mess. And it was traumatizing, I think for both of us because yep. you know, it, took, it took a personal relationship and it got attorneys involved in it. It felt a lot like a divorce and we're, we're great friends now, but it, it it stepped back the relationship for about a year or so to where we really didn't want to be in the same room. So, you know, um, you know, I'd say do that stuff up front. That way the, the break when it happens is clean. Every business historically ends at some point. So you got to be ready for that end. Um, make the investment. 
I'd say the same thing to employees because, you know, employees will be like, I love my job. This is where I want to work forever. I say, yeah, but eventually you're not going to work here. That's right. The, I mean, there's there, mathematically, <laughs> there's no, there's no chance. Yeah, I know. I say the same thing about myself and, you know, so let's just be prepared for some of that. And, you know, that's that, that culture eats strategy, uh, you know, thing. And uh, now in, in our case, we went, we were 50, 50 and we knew, we knew what we were getting into. We talked about it, but we were at the point where, we wanted to know that we agreed on on all of it because FullScale does more than just provide tech services. We've invested in other companies. We own and manage a couple other different things. And, you know, some of that, it, I mean, unless we were going to end up, you know, splitting it into six different entities, this just made the most sense. All right. So there's something else that you've got in here that I think is just a, a key component. Um, you know, there's, there's a, you have a task manager. And I think this is where, uh, where, boards the effectiveness of boards and what and just your company in general is we oftentimes have meetings and we say hey let's do this 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 and this and then yeah. the meeting's gone on for a little bit and you're like okay well, let's all get out of here and we haven't really assigned the management of who like who's taking care of that if i think anytime you have a meeting you say okay here's these problems that we've got and okay so maybe you know and here's the solutions who's going to own that who's going to truly own the follow-up and you know that kind of goes hand in hand with another option i see in here that's reporting and goal tracking i mean those three should all be tied together in some in some regards am i right yeah we tie tasks into minutes actually because uh, when you're in a meeting taking minutes you can then assign a, a task to somebody then that goes into their dashboard into their notifications and then it shows up in that next meeting as to whether it's been done or not if it hasn't been done, then it, and they, it, the transparency and accountability is there to say, hey, hey, Bob, you didn't make that introduction you said you're going to make. And then Bob's got a little bit of public shaming going on, which, you know, this drives a lot of good human behavior. Um, it does. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that's that's the idea there um, is make sure there's that continuity between those meetings, uh, board meetings in particular. So that if somebody says something in a board meeting, you're documenting it. And then you've got an action item to check off. There's a lot more functionality to it. Uh, the goal tracking is more about high level, you know, revenue goals, fundraising goals, et cetera. And the reporting is more about, okay, what kind of attendance did we have, et cetera, looking at that on a, on a you know, kind of system-wide level. And see, and see that, that flows right into a polls and voting option. Um, you know, as we've been talking, there are a lot of things in and around any business that if you have a board that do require a vote, and, yeah. you know, you see this, you, you watch TV shows and, you know, here they are, you're watching billions on, on Showtime and you see Bobby Axelrod there and they're like, Hey, yay or nay. And you see like 10 people raise a hand and one person doesn't, that has to be recorded somewhere. And, yeah. you know, like, and, 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 and it's important to record it and keep track of that. Is that what this is doing in Boardable? Yeah, that's specifically built for in-between meetings. So, um, you know, we just, I, the nonprofit I work with, we just changed the board chair seat. We did that via a poll. Um, and that was a great way to get it done without having to have a meeting. Uh, in the minutes functionality during a meeting, you can record votes as well. So you can still do the everyone agrees, say I, you know, uh, traditional way. Then you can do the in-between. A lot of what we think about is how do we increase the velocity of that organization? Um, so they're not waiting on a meeting to get something done. So that that discussion functionality, that voting functionality, et cetera, is all about like that momentum. 
It's like, okay, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Because uh, if you have to wait three months to get something done, I mean, business moves faster than that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to yeah, do that. I think it was, email, uh, because it's a mess. Yeah. What was it? Uh, UPS that had the slogan was it didn't have moving at the speed of business mm-hmm. um, or something, but that's, you know, that's how things need to be. And like you said, that that's something that can be, well, as an early stage business or a small startup, the one of I think one of the greatest attributes you have is agility and the ability to move quickly. And um, you know, I see that. I mentioned that we have hundreds of employees in Cebu City in the Philippines. Well, you know, some of our competitors are companies like Accenture, and they just mm-hmm. simply can't react and do certain things and adjust. You know, to and we've structured part of our businesses around it, like an expiration of a job offer, which if you're listening from Accenture, yes, we schedule, we have made those specifically as long as we know that you don't seem to be able to reply and react. So, you know, it's the way it goes. All right. Now, this is one of the the only times that I have actually gone to a features and benefits page and instantly turned it into a set list for a show. So, um, great. you know, but well, it, but it was great. I was, you know, sitting there looking, I was like, Oh, well, these are all the things that, that, that seriously matter. Um, all right. So you mentioned, uh, you know, before we hit record on the show, for those of you listening, I usually talk to our guests for, Oh, less than five minutes. And, um, you know, I, we, we talk about a lot of different things and, and that these shows are often unstructured and, and try to keep them conversational. Now, when it comes to your business, you mentioned that we were talking before the show that this was originally built for the not-for-profit environment, but it has rapidly turned into, that's I actually removed the term not-for-profit or nonprofit uh, from the original description during that that show setup. So while this started, and and Lauren Conaway, who I recorded the Top Indianapolis show, she's the founder of, of Innovate Her, and she's seen her organization grow quickly. She was a huge fan of this. She was like, "Oh my god, this! I'm signing up for this." She probably already did, but wanting to get you know use this now. How difficult was the switch, if if at all? from being prepared for like a, a non or not-for-profit environment to just being for companies in general? You know, it's interesting how how little difference there is in use case. I mean, we've been using Boardable internally for our board since day one when it was just the founders uh, because, you know, you got to dog food your own software. And uh, so certainly our use of it has informed the product use and bi- the product roadmap as well. So, um you know, there are some things that, that Boardable does a little bit more with nonprofits in mind. That is a majority of our customers. And the nonprofit board problem is uh, more complex, though, than the for-profit board problem. So, for instance, a for-profit board might have 50 employees like we do and, f- and five board members like we do. A nonprofit organization might have five employees and 50 board members, including all the committees and volunteer groups that they're managing. So five people managing 50 is very different than 50 managing five. And uh, that means that you need a tool that really does organize things at a level and scale, which is different because a for-profit board probably doesn't have a committee. It has a board. Uh, Maybe there's an executive committee that has a conversation from time to time, but the complexity with the nonprofit space is much greater than the the for-profit. So in solving for that first, we actually have a tool that works really well for the for-profit space because there's less complexity there. Um, so they can come in and get going and use it. They may not need all the, the bells and whistles of it, 
that's fine, but it's going to solve their, their problem very nicely. Yeah, I think this is cool stuff. I think you guys did a, it, it, it looks like you guys have done a really interesting and amazing job at this. And, you know, this, these are the, I, I don't know, we keep, we keep talking about this over and over on the show that, you know, here in 2021, you know, 20 years ago, there wasn't stuff like this. And, yeah. you know, 10 years ago, you still had to build things that you might, and, you know, this whole, the buy versus build uh, conversation has tipped so heavily towards buy, you know, there's something out there. There are so many problems that so many different entrepreneurs and startups are solving that make things pretty simple and easy and they can move it, move it. it, Well, they can keep you focused on the things as a founder that really do mean uh, a lot. Now, uh, you know, one of those things and, and my final pitch of the show here is, if you are a tech startup, uh, you know how much time it takes to find the right kinds of development talent. So as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Much like you've done, we've built a lot of, uh, we've built our own system around our company. And it's kind of interesting because as we've looked at it, we've actually had the conversation. We're like, is, should we make this a commercially viable product? And we have decided not to because as we get older, we are, and I say we, just myself and those that run the company are, have really learned to appreciate being good at trying, let's be good at like two things before we add seven more to the mix. And my, uh, my co-host and, and business partner, Matt Watson, always talks about the, the backpack and he's saying, hey, you're trying to get to the top of the mountain. Uh, the more things you put in that backpack on the way up, the heavier that it is going to be during that climb. And I usually reply by saying, yeah, but the easiest thing to do is, if you want to is, is look up and, and find the people that are doing what you want to do. I mean, what's easier climbing the mountain on your own or asking those on top to pull you up. And that is exactly what can and should be done with the board that you build. I'd like to, you know, we end my episodes of Startup Hustle. I say my episodes, I'm not the only host of the show, folks. Make sure you tune in on Tuesdays and listen to what Andrew Morgans has to say about e-commerce and Amazon brand acceleration. He's the CEO and founder of Marknology. And on Thursdays, join Lauren Conaway to talk all about all the stuff she talks about. I tried to describe what Lauren's episodes will be about, and they're all that she covers so many things. She is a polymath in that regard. And join Matt Watson and I on Wednesdays as we usually publish one of our uh, episodes related to our series of how to start a tech company. Now, my episodes end with what we call the Founders Freestyle. And I'll turn the mic over to you, Jeb. Is there anything that you would like to say, advise, or comment on that we hadn't covered or didn't cover here during this episode and that's why we call it a freestyle yeah i appreciate that matt um you know i think that um gosh there's so many things that we could dive into here but uh, (laughs) you know i think a lot about folks that are starting off with their first business i have a lot of empathy for them and the challenges they're navigating um and just just how things that are obvious to a veteran entrepreneur are not obvious to a first-time entrepreneur um, and how important it is to build a network of folks that you can really tap into to grab coffee, lunch, you know, a phone call 
that mentorship at that stage is so critical. Um, and I think that before you even get to starting your first business, if you think you're ever going to start your first business, uh, start building that network uh, today and build it with people that really do care about you and, and are invested in you. And to me, that's been, if I look back at my journey, the real game changer for me is having those people in my life, um, you know, and, and to be that person for other people, obviously, it's a two-way street. Um, there's nothing like people that really want to show up and, and help you succeed. Um, so make those investments before you start your business. And then when you start your business, it'll, they'll really pay off. Yeah. I think overall my takeaways from today's show is the, you know, well, first off, I mean, having a board and running a board, find, putting it together, all the things that are associated with that. I mean, they can be a pain in the butt. So thanks for building something that makes that a lot easier. Cause Hey, I mean, this is, this is important stuff. I have, uh, I, the longer you go as an entrepreneur without keeping up with this kind of stuff, the greater the chances are that you're going to have moments where you regret not having kept up with it. Um, and you know, I, I, I still try to do all that stuff. And on some days kind of fall short and I always find myself kicking myself. I'm like, damn it. You know, and uh, as I've turned from entrepreneur to also entrepreneur and investor, I've started to turn this stuff back around on the companies that I've invested in that I am trying to help grow and, you know, advise and, and even our clients at full scale, you know, that are often still in earlier stages. And, um, you know, it's it's and I, it's funny because I try to bridge the gap between feeling like someone that's giving advice and like the guy that's turning into a crusty old guy, right. you know, like, you know, but but it's true. I'm like, hey, look, because it just feels better without the headache later. And yeah. uh, I think that that so many things and that's what I love about the intuitive nature of so much modern software is someone out there has already gotten down to figuring out the problems that you didn't even realize that you might or could or possibly do already have. So lean on the structure of the things that platforms like Boardable provide. I mean, I think this is pretty cool. And, you know, being able to just all the way down to the compliance, you guys have clearly thought it out. So once again, there's a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. It's one of 2021's Indianapolis's top startups for, man, was was that the month of May? Was it the month of May that it came out? We, we try to get to one every month. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, and that was a great list. I was glad to see Indianapolis has created such a robust startup scene and so much of it seems to be in my old neighborhood. So, and if, if, if you haven't listened yet, and if it hasn't come out, uh, the, uh, someone moved in to my house that was the million dollar bedroom and, uh, Anna Eagland, and she started a true, it's a true crime. Uh, it's, they, they help people solve on the cold case mysteries. Huh. So, Yeah. Yeah, doing all kinds of interesting stuff yeah, there, she'd Jeff. Be, she'd thank you. With, so, yeah, she's doing that with Jim Brown, maybe. Is that, I, I don't, I don't know. you know, I'm not yeah. sure. You know, I, and I, we talked a little bit about it, and it was called. Uh, gosh, and now I'm I'm spacing it, but unsolved. Um, Yes, yes, unsolved and uh, very interesting. But yeah, I thought that was just such a neat thing, and the the communal nature of startups. Because after our top episodes came out, in which Boardable was on the list, I got a message on LinkedIn, and she said, "I think I moved into your house." I've been. Getting, <laughs> I said, "How did you know that?" She said, "Well, I get some junk mail." 
And I'm like, yeah, that was us. So she had put the connection together, but had already listened to the episode and said, man, that name really sounds familiar. And I went back and looked through it. So that was pretty cool. But I think that also reflects like what, what a communal thing startup mm-hmm. founders have with each other and, you know, like use that, reach out and create, build and create that network and manage it effectively. I will catch up with you down the road, Jeb. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.